On this week's episode, the entire Sentence Central crew is back and we break down what's happening in the front office, the product they've put on the ice, recap the Battle of Ontario, and more on episode 30 of Making Sense of the Sens. For daily content, follow at Sens Central on Twitter. Hello, Sens fans, and welcome. It's episode 30 of Making Sense of the Sens. For Sens Central, I'm Ross Levitan, alongside Chris Parliament. How's it going? Brandon Piller. What's up, guys? And Jeremy Hewson. Hello. And Brendan Purdy opping the boards. So we got a full house, and it's been a while since we've had that. For episode 30, of course, the first senator that comes to mind is Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar run of 2015, and the unlikely playoff berth. Don't think that's very possible this season with an embarrassing collapse against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night. The Senators fall to 15-20-9 on the season. That's good for 39 points and, more importantly, 29th place in the National Hockey League. But somehow, some way, Pierre Dorian thinks this team still has a shot at the playoffs. You know, we know we're in a tough position right now. Uh, for us to make the playoffs, it's going to be a huge challenge in front of us. Uh, this team's done it before. I think this team can do it again. Right now, if you look at the last four years, the average to make the last place was 95.5, uh, last team that qualified. For us to do that, we need 57 points. We need to go very simple, 28-11-1, and 27-10-3, 26-9-5, or 25-8-7. We can, we can keep on doing that. I don't want to keep doing that because I think the chances are pretty much done. But Chris, is this a delusional general manager or somebody trying to convey the right message? No, this isn't a delusional general manager. This is a general manager that has way too much on his plate. He goes on later in this press conference to talk about how he's going to Halifax to do some of the scouting. This is way too small of a group around him. Way too much is coming onto his plate. And right now, he's just trying to stay afloat in a bad situation that just keeps getting worse. And then he even goes on further to say he's heading to Europe after that. You're you're in such a tough situation. Trade deadline's coming up. And you're spending your time scouting? Like, don't you have scouts for that? I feel no. like I feel like he's told um, Eugene Melnick that he can take care of the GM duties and the scouting duties. Like, I think he's got the confidence in himself. I don't know why. Or I mean, he might not have a choice. Melnick might be like, you are taking care of both duties because I've just fired so many scouts. Uh, it's just painful. Well, and you think about the Senators, they already had a small management staff, and then you lose Brian Murray, you lose Daniel Alfredson, and you lose Bob Lowe, the director of scouting, to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, last season, and nobody was replaced. So what, what was an already small staff is now minuscule, and I don't think there's three teams that have a smaller uh, scouting base than the Ottawa Senators. And when you're at the position that the Sens are at, where they've traded some really high picks to specifically to get Duchesne, you need to hit on every single draft pick from now on. Like, if anything, you're putting most of your money into scouting, hoping that you can turn this around because I don't know if any trade options are going to help much. And the Senators are known to be great scouters, great draft picks. So you have to keep that going. And scouting should be one of the top priorities, in my opinion. So to your point, Brandon, with the Sens being a great drafting team historically, even up to this past year, you look at Batherson in the fourth round, even Formanton, the youngest player taken in this last draft. Fastest player as well. Absolutely he is. And 
So is it more pro scouting that this team needs? Because it seems every trade that's made, we've mentioned on the show before, there's a connection to Guy Boucher. Whereas that your head coach shouldn't be your pro scout and your GM shouldn't be your amateur scout. Yeah, it's it's a tough position, but they're spread so thin. They just don't they don't have the options. And like you said, Guy Boucher can't have his his wish list granted every time. You have to start doing different things. And I mean, you can go back to the Burroughs trade. Like that was there's not much sense there. And he lost a great prospect. And if we kept Dallin, then that makes it even even less of a problem that you have less draft picks because you know you've got great guys coming up the pipeline. You can't get rid of them for these aging veterans. I think it makes sense, though, getting sending Bowers off. Uh, I was kind of surprised. You know, Bowers being a first-round pick uh, doesn't get a look even in selection camp for the World Juniors, yet the second- and fourth-round picks that Ottawa take excel on the team but yeah. i know playing in the in the ncaa system you're not overlooked but you have a a, a longer shot to make a team a canadian national team um but yeah at some point you're really gonna have to rely and hope that these kids blossom more and we're seeing more and more kids in the lineup uh, colin white's getting a, an opportunity to play a top six role what did you guys think of uh, his game against toronto I liked it. I mean, Colin White is now putting in, getting put in a situation to excel, getting played with Hoffman and Matt Duchesne in some different regards of the game. We all know Guy Boucher, it's going to be a blender. But when he does have those times on the top unit, he does get some scoring chances. Ross, me and you, we rewatched the highlights last night and that play where he was almost below the circle and threw it off the far post. It was a bit of a weird play, but I mean, that might be his best scoring chances in NHL or so far, but... I think it's not far if he gets playing with those line with that line that we've seen start to get some chemistry between Hoffman and Duchesne. If he can hop in on that chemistry, I think that'll be a very big stepping stone for later on in his career. Then do you think that Colin White has enough skill to make up for like his lack of speed? Well, I mean, you look at his speed and we've talked about his ceiling is that Patrice Bergeron comparison that he got early on in Who's his career. Who's not a particularly fast guy himself. He's a good skater, though. But Colin White can be put in a situation where he's playing with very skilled guys and he can kind of be that two-way back-end guy and let those two guys really light it up offensively. And then he's kind of the what Mark Mathot was to Eric Carlson, the tether that kind of keeps the whole thing together. And in a one-through-one system, I think that really works out. Well, Colin White, we mentioned maybe lack of confidence might be a thing. That's what I mentioned when he was hitting the post. That might have been his best scoring opportunity in the NHL, and it came from three feet above the goal line, (laughs) almost in the corner. Um, I think he needs to get one, and and hopefully it'll kind of snowball from there, because this is a player who scored at every level he's played at. You look at the U.S. development program, 121 points in 109 games growing up. Then at the NCAA level in two years, 76 points in 72 games, better than a point a game. And at two World Juniors, 15 points in 14 games. This is a player who can put the puck in the net and get on the score sheet, but we haven't seen that in his uh, limited time. Uh, He's only played in uh, six NHL games as it stands right now. And going back to the, what you said last episode, the goals he's been scoring in Belleville this season have been goal scorers' goals. He has that knack to get to the front of the net, those high slot scoring chances and capitalize on them. And that's one thing. We go back to the World Juniors where he put up great numbers for Team USA and he was playing with his peers, talented guys that can skate well with him. That's why I like him playing with Hoffman and Duchesne. He's playing with those scoring type players, putting him in a situation where he's allowed to and able to excel into that situation where he can become 
a great scorer and get himself into the scoring chance he's been able to capitalize at a professional level this season. Well, tonight he's uh, slated to center the line with Smith and Pyatt, so we'll see how that goes. I've I've actually been kind of impressed with Pyatt's offensive abilities lately. Like I didn't that, know he could shoot the puck like that. That, that was goal, goal he scored not the not the last game, but the previous game, the game winner. Whoo, that was yeah. nice. And he seems to always play well against Toronto. Uh, he had the shootout winner against them last year, and then a game winner against them uh, earlier this season. Um, it'll be interesting though watching Colin White play center because he's mostly only had a chance at the wing uh, against the NHL. His missed opportunity hitting the post uh, against Toronto was only one of many missed opportunities for the Ottawa Senators, specifically being up 3-1 in the third period. Usually it's the Leafs that collapse in the third period, but this time Ottawa found a way. What was your main takeaway of why they weren't able to hold on to that lead? I'm not sure it's a main takeaway, but the play of Eric Carlson was pretty frightening for an Ottawa Senators fan. On that night, he turned the puck over in the neutral zone when he had all the time in the world. He just kept skidding backwards into his own end instead of, like we've seen Eric Carlson do so many times, get the feet moving and just go through the neutral zone himself. He ended up coughing the puck over. He was absolutely flat-footed and burned on a few of the plays, and one ended up in the back of the net. And you start to look at himself on the bench, and they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast. He's constantly talking to himself on the bench. Like, he knows he can be better, and he's frustrated with the play. And guys, if you look at his last five games, if you take out the the game in Tampa on January 6th, where he had three assists, and he was a plus five, he would be in the four, four games since. He's got one goal, that gimme goal, against Toronto, and he would be a minus six. So in the last four games, that's your captain, a guy who's playing the most minutes on your team. That's not what you want to see, and he looks like he's reeling a little bit right now, and he can't figure it out. Yeah, aside from Carlson, I think is pretty obviously struggling this year. <laughs> Who was struggling even more so, perhaps, is between the pipes. We said this last broadcast or last show. Craig Anderson, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he can follow the puck right now, because it seems like if you watch the highlights of those goals, he's he's swimming in the crease. He's out of position. We said that last broadcast that he was completely out of position. Last, last night's game, or two nights ago, was... Prime example of that. First goal. Completely out of position on, I think, three of the four goals. Yeah, first goal is just an easy wrist shot that hit traffic in front, and instead of kind of tracking it from his knees, he sprawled out the wrong way. Lost his balance, tried to catch himself. And then even, I don't know, I can't remember what goal this was, but he was trying to come back across the crease, and it wasn't like he had far to go, but rather than just do a simple push across butterfly, he dove. We didn't have to dive. He kind of just fell over with his glove to try to catch it, and he, the guy just shot underneath his glove. What are you doing, bud? Yeah, we've said it lots of times. This is a goalie-friendly show, and every time that there's been negative comments about the goalies, I've tried my best to try to spin it positively, try to find some silver linings. I'm done, guys. I got I got nothing. This goaltending is just brutal. I mean, you, you look at where the goalies are uh, ranked in the league. 59th and 61st in save percentage are Craig Anderson and Condon. So there's some teams that have... Two goalies better than either of the goalies on the Senators. And it's it's just crazy. It's such a fall from grace because you look at last season, Andy was 15th in save percentage at uh, 9.926. And then Kondo had a .914 save percentage, which is, which is great. So in a year's time, this has just completely flipped upside down on the Sens. And now they're struggling to figure it out because... 
Goaltending is a huge backbone of a team's success, and it hasn't been this season. Craig and Nicole, they'll always have my respect from last year. Their bravery class, that was a lot they had to go through last year. But it's time, like Brandon, we got to face it. 899 save percentage from a 36-year-old goalie with a lot of miles on his legs. I think it's starting to be the beginning of the end for Andy. You look at it, 540 career games in the regular season, 46 in the playoffs. He's got a career save percentage of 915. 16 points less. That's just not going to cut it in the NHL. And Mike Condon, you got to think that Guy Boucher's trust in him is almost non-existent. He's starting tonight in Minnesota, but before that, his last start was against Boston, and he's only had one start in his last nine where his save percentage has been over 900. And that is a scary, scary thought uh, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. And um, and not only that, it's it's been pretty bad performances. His only win recently was against Columbus, and he let in uh, four goals on 25 And the shots. Sens got some lucky bounces in that yeah, game. Especially the Bobrovsky misplay, yeah. uh, where he looked like an Ottawa Senators goalie only at that <laughs> point. Now, both of those goalies got new contracts last summer, and Pierre Dorian was happy to tell you how set he was in goal for the next few years. Brandon, is is the way that they're playing through the first half of this season enough to completely put that plan off the rails? Look, hindsight's twenty twenty, guys. And obviously we can sit here and say how bad these contracts are, especially with Anderson being an older goalie. But at the time, they didn't seem bad. You, I talked about what their numbers were last the year. The Connor one specifically. But at least that seemed he like was, a perfect idea. Yeah, yeah. and at least he, he was a UFA. He was going to get signed by somebody. For Craig Anderson, you gave him a two-year extension, and by him, yeah, sure, he's been a, a key component of this team. The no best goalie in the Senators' history. Yeah, absolutely. But why are you giving a 37-year-old goalie a two-year extension before the season? He still had it. He was under contract. There was no incentive to give him that contract. The incentive to give him that contract is it looked like father time hadn't caught up to Anderson because he was still playing well in his mid to late 30s, which most NHL goalies drop off early 30s. So it, there was no signs of him slowing down and Condon was steady as a backup. So the Sens thought this is the way it's going to go and they didn't have a whole lot of other options. Like there, there, It's not like there was great goalies hitting the free agent market. They kind of had to go with this. Is there anyone that they could trade Hoffman, Smith, Pajot for goaltending wise? Looking first off, they shouldn't trade just Hoffman here. for anyone. You want okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But let's say even a, even a great goalie. If the I St. Louis no. Blues call up Pierre Dorian and said Mike Hoffman for Carter Hutton, no, they would have There's, to throw. We, they'd we, have to sweeten it in that deal. And I, fine, I don't, fine. I don't think you sweeten do a trade. It, I don't think you do a trade with St. Louis unless one of Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo are are included. And Joel plus, Edmondson wouldn't be a bad little pickup either. Yeah, they're they're so set on D. I couldn't see St. Louis moving one of their defensemen, uh, especially like they've they found Vince Young a nice home in, in their mm-hmm. five six role and. Edmondson, Pareko, Bomeister. They are been, huge. Petrangelo yeah. is having a Norse caliber season. I was at that Blues Leafs game the other night, and oh my God, that decor is absolutely massive. And then you got two goaltenders who are probably both better than Welcome to what's the West, going on Jerry. here. <laughs> yeah. But Jared, J- talked to you about this uh, before the podcast. I don't think the Blues are trying to shop Carter Hutton. He's no, kinda, fair he's enough. Their, he's their lifeline because Allen Allen's got potential, but I think. He's a little. I wouldn't say they are. Shaky. But if Ottawa made the deal worth it, they might. I don't well, know. I'm just why, looking around the NHL. Ja- why where, not Jake who, Allen? That's what I mean. Well, they've got two goaltenders there that are potentially number one I goalies. Think, I think Jake Allen is their is their bonafide starter. If anything, they're keeping him. 
and Hutton. Because look at the success the Blues had with that 1A, 1B system. Maybe the, that's what they're the trying Blues to get The Blues could use some offense. Go look at the standings. They're not right near the top. They're near, They're in second place. Mm-hmm. or Toughest division. Exactly. They need offense in that division. So and if you can get Hoffman, I mean, I don't want the Senators to trade him. But at some point, the Sens need to look at goaltending. And that's the biggest issue right now facing this team. You got to fill it somewhere. I don't know anywhere else that they could go. But I don't, I don't think also getting a goalie this season solves anything. You know what? You might as well ride this season out. and That's fine. That's well, that, fair. That's what happened so, when Craig Anderson came. He kind of ruined the tank in 2011. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, it was, uh, it was supposed to be a tank move, and then he puts up amazing numbers, and here we are today. But I think if you're going to do anything, you need to do a calculated move in the offseason. That's fine. I, I agree yeah. with that. But you have to do something. Well, yeah, because what kind of message does it send if you just ride the season out and and not make any moves? Does it doesn't it kind of say that you're all right with it? Like, hey, try, try again next year. Well, no, it just it just means you've you're punting on this season. I just don't want to get too far away from the Battle of Ontario, kind of how this whole conversation started, because there's two people, two players on either team that are kind of starting to run away with this rivalry, and that's Mark Stone and Austin Matthews. Mark Stone. 26 points in 18 career games against the Leafs. Talk about playing with passion. That guy's incredible. And Austin Matthews, I mean, the guy comes and plays. I was probably, me and Ross were joking about it, watching the highlights. That was probably the easiest goal Austin Matthews is ever going to score when Cody Ceci just lost him. and He tucked it in from the front of the net. But he has 11 points in seven career games against the Senators. So Well started his career with a nice little four-goal night. Exactly, but these two guys are starting to run away with it. And before we get too far away from it again, I just want to give out a quick shout-out to Ryan Zingle. After that uh, big hit on Zach Smith, which I thought was pretty dirty, uh, no hesitation to drop the gloves there, and I love that. And that's kind of something, a trend that I've seen the Ottawa Senators going down a little bit this year, not being tough to play against, especially when Boro was out of the lineup. You're starting to lose that edge, and... I mean, if we're talking about this season being a write-off, if you're in that 4-5 area, Brady Kachuk looking pretty attractive, a guy that can play top six minutes and add that intangible part to the game, that grittiness, make them hard to play against. That's uh, interesting for the Senators to look at right there. Well, also interesting is Dorian mentioning, we talked, he was going out on scouting meetings. Being in Halifax is interesting because they had three top players named to the top 30 CSS, the Central Scouting um including Philip Zadina, who many think is going to be a top three pick. And uh, he plays with a lot of passion as well. After World Juniors ended, he wanted to play in Halifax the next night. They held him out. But uh, interesting to see that the draft pick is becoming uh, more and more a reality. Of course, being a top 10 pick, they would be able to keep it. If not, uh, it goes to the Colorado Avalanche. And if we're going to be talking draft points, it's just an interesting note from an Ottawa Senators standpoint. Adam Boakvist, remember the name, and a five foot eleven defenseman. He's Swedish. Many Swedish scouts have said that he has more talent than Eric Carlson had at that age. So maybe another guy that the Senators look at if the uh, Swedish pipeline keeps turning out players. Why I'm not st- follow it? I'm starting to think that the Swedish scouts don't watch any hockey other than Swedish, because all we hear about is. That they're either compared to Eric Carlson or Nick Lidstrom or Henrik Zetterberg or Matt Sundin or Daniel Alfredson. Like, but but there's there's probably a good reason for that because that's that's how these Swedish defensemen are developed. You know, they have similar characteristics because they're they're trained and developed in similar ways, right? Even Ross Mustalian, 
He's an Eric Carlson type with Victor Hedman size. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, <laughs> is he? Wow, that's nice. Uh, so the Sens are in Minnesota tonight, and that kind of uh, brings up the Jonathan Petra, um, who's in Minnesota trying to figure out how to beat this terrible disease that he's uh, he's had ongoing for for his whole life. And uh, it seems like the white blood cells are, are starting to show. So um, he's a battler, and he's got some uh, advice that we have here uh, for the struggling Ottawa Senators. Well, as they did a few years ago, they were able to do a huge final push towards the playoffs, and they were able to make it in. So as we've seen with us as well, uh, never to give up and to continue fighting even when all hope seems lost is always the way to go, um, in my opinion. I think that if they give it a good push and they stay together and keep fighting through it, I think they do have a chance. Thanks to CTV for the uh, interview there. Uh, Mark Stone going to be out of the game tonight, the heart and soul of this Ottawa Senators team. So uh, even more of a chance for Belleville Senators to get called up. Chris Domenico will be back, as well as Eric Bergdorfer, a name we haven't heard of Quite yet, but it's a perfect transition to On the Farm. Down on the farm. It's time to check in on the Belleville Senators. Since we last talked about the Belleville Senators, they picked up four of a possible six points, so kind of on the rise down there in a tough conference or tough division there. But like Ross said, some big news from Belleville. The Ironman, Eric Bergdofer, has played in all 43 games for Belleville this season, so that's pretty interesting. He's been called up. And as well as uh, Costco Clark MacArthur, one of my favorite nicknames uh, possibly ever, Chris Domenico, he will be back with the big club in 13 games in Ottawa this year. He has three goals and six points. And uh, so maybe we should open up, talk a little bit more about the guys that have seen some time in Belleville. We already got into Colin Wade a little bit, but... Philip Schlappick, he's been up for a while now. What do you guys think of him? I think it's just as it is with many young players this Ottawa Senators team has had. There hasn't been enough trust from the coaching staff to to let them go and, and play. And Philip Schlappick is a perfect example of that, uh, where he's played primarily just on the fourth line, not getting much power play time either. And he's done he's done all right with it. He, he hasn't stood out. He hasn't taken over a game by any stretch. He's played nine, though, so... Uh, he's getting a, an opportunity to at least adjust to life in the NHL. Uh, I don't like seeing that he's only averaging 8 minutes and 30 seconds a game, though I'd like to see that a bit north of 10. And assuming the season continues on the path it's on, you can bet that uh, these young players will get more of an opportunity. I'm happy to see a guy like Dito coming back into the NHL. I was I was pretty disappointed when the Sens uh, sent him down and he got picked up by Tampa Especially when I realized that his uh, so-called replacement was Dumont. Haven't really been impressed with what I've seen with him. He kind of just kind of just wastes a roster spot, in my opinion. So I'd way rather have Dito, a guy who, like you said, Chris Costco uh, Costco Clarky. I like that nickname as well because he bring he brings a bunch of elements to the game, and I like I like his gritty style. I like how he's he's a great net presence. And you know what? This is a guy who has suffered a major injury in his career. He's bounced back. He's making an effort, and I, I think it's great that he's got another shot on the big roster. Yeah, and you uh, you talked about that grittiness, just that kind of intangible I talked about a little bit earlier, making them a little bit tougher to play against West against a Western Conference team that has some big bodies on the top end for that unit. You, know, you think of Eric Stahl, uh, Charlie Coyle, guys like that. They're big bodies, so getting a guy out there that can kind of uh, waste away on those bodies is a nice addition to this club for this game. 
I don't really the future. I don't really care who they bring up at this point. Bring them all up. Nick Paul, Dito, Dumont, Schlappick. Just bring them up. Start sitting Burroughs. Start sitting Nate Thompson. I know Nate Thompson's not playing badly, nor is Tom Pyatt. But these are guys that you know, they're not going to take you to the next level. They're not going to make your team any better. And they're not getting any better. And they're not getting any better. They're there. They're there to stick around. Anyways, put them, sit them down for a couple nights. Bring up the whole farm system. I don't care. Put them all out there and see which players perform the best. Simple as that. That helps the tank as well. Stop (laughs) playing eight minutes and six minute games. You can't tell from that. Stop wasting time on Burroughs and... Oh, you don't like that Burroughs has three goals in 43 games, playing 11.30 a game? Is that good numbers for him? No, that's his uh, worst. That's not good numbers for anybody. That's apparently. his worst since 2006, 2007. Good thing he's a, on an league. extended contract, which the Sens gave him right away. Uh, no Johnny Oduya in the lineup tonight. An interesting note on him is that he has a lot of performance bonuses in his contract, and uh, one of them's inching very close. Uh, he, when he hits 41 games played, he gets $250,000. He's at 39 right now, and he has Scratch been him. terrible. He's out with injury tonight. Let's hope it's uh, 250 grand. You could get two scouts for that. That's, exactly. that's what I was going to say. Like, what are you doing playing a guy who is a terrible, b too too old? He's not developing, like you said, Jeremy. Mad and respect to Oduya. You had a great career. De- but. Definitely, definitely. But your your time has come, and that's just what happens. And you're you're cutting scouting staff when you're a bottom feeding team. I just. I don't. There's no logic to it. I don't know. This is this is making sense of the sense, but on that one, I I don't know, guys. Uh, Eric Bergdo for coming up too as a defenseman. That's pretty interesting to note with Johnny Oduya being sat, and we talked about it a little bit on the last show. Early February, we can expect Chris Weidman back, so maybe yeah, Oduya nice. doesn't get to the 42 games, and we don't have to give them a quarter of a million dollars. Well, and Borvietsky, we mentioned before how his absence was was absolutely felt and. He just locks in the neutral zone. You know when Mark Borowiecki's on the ice because he's, he's... You better know when he's on the it, ice if you're the opponent. Yeah, because he's not always sure where he is, and <laughs> that's a dangerous play for both teams. Um, so it sounds like it's harvest season for the farm uh, as injuries mount in Ottawa. Uh, another part of this making sense of sense that never really makes sense is one of our favorite segments. It's where we get our producer involved, and uh, here's another edition of Prairie Fire. It's time for another edition of Pup 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 Prairie Fire. Well, boys, as always, thanks for having me back in the booth here. All right, so first couple of questions, we're going to go around the horn. Who do you guys see moving at the deadline? I, for me, it's got to be a guy like Pajot. Pajot is a great, fast Two-way center. Lots of teams are looking for depth. I said it before. I think he said this, quick. This is a guy who Pittsburgh should look at. They're looking for depth on center. He'd be a great third-line guy. You know he's got some clutch performances in his back sleeve for those playoff games. A couple Hatties against the Habs. That's a guy I think the Sens... Four goals for J.G. Pajot. That's the, the kind of guy question. I think the Sens uh, are able to move on from. I know he's hurt now. Ross, go ahead, finish your uh, little quote there. Where are you going to wreck the statue of Jean-Gabriel Pajot? Yeah, that four-goal effort in the playoffs was last year. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of uh, Pillar. A uh, guy with playoff experience is somebody that every team wants going into the to April. And with the Senators' depth in the organization at center, you think That's of Logan, Logan Brown coming up. Um, even Drake Baston's played a lot of center right now. I know he can, his game will likely translate a bit better on the wing in the National Hockey League, but 
Uh, yeah, with the amount of centers that they, that Ottawa has coming up, we'll see Colin White play that position tonight. I think Pajot's a, a likely bet, although it will be sad to see him go if it does end up happening. The guy's born and bred uh, in the 613. And so. a passionate guy, too, yeah. so tough to see him go. Uh, Hank Longfist is probably uh, seeing nightmares, having some nightmares about having him in the Metropolitan, but... I don't know. I, I think Zach Smith is a guy, a pretty friendly contract for a big guy that can skate, play physical. He could add a lot to a uh, cup team and add some size, some scoring touch. So The yeah, thing about Zach Smith is Pierre Dorian would have to be like, but he can do it. He's not doing that, but he can. A, that's that's what I was going to say. What what kind of value does Zach Smith hold? And I like I like Zach Smith as a player, but this year, what kind of value is he showing he's, to other he's teams? He's really gotten away from his physical game. Yeah, he, he has. I've noticed that too, but Jared was talking about this earlier, is that when the Sens were in their heyday of the early 2000s, they not only developed players, but they showed loyalty and keep, kept them around long. And uh, Smith's probably, I would think, maybe the longest-serving long, long serving center with Eric Carlson. They entered the league the, uh, the same year. And also, you talk about Zach Smith, it, it's kind of what has he done lately. Guys, Martin Hansel got moved for eight. Package last year. Two first-round picks. Exactly. So <laughs> the NHL is crazy. Minnesota screwed the whole league with that one. All right, guys. Next up, we are about five days away from the All-Star break right now. Hard trophy halfway through. Nikita Kucherov or Nathan McKinnon? I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon because the Avalanche run to a projected playoff spot is nothing short of extraordinary. Of course, you can... Say what you want about the trade. I'm going to kind of leave that out other than to say it's just given McKinnon an opportunity to be the no doubt number one center on this team. And uh, just looking up his stats quickly, he he's just an absolute stud on home ice. That's kind of what's impressed me the most uh, about all this. He's got, uh, at one point it was 40 points in his last uh, 19 games, but he's been absolutely on fire this season. 46 points in 26 home games. Uh, to me, that's nothing short of incredible. I'm going to piggyback onto that point and say that Nikita Kucherov is playing on a line with Steven Stamkos and getting it done. Nathan McKinnon's playing on a line with Miko Rantanen and getting it done. Miko Rantanen's a high pick for them, and he's doing well this season. But you got to think that Nikita Kucherov is kind of on the wing of Steven Stamkos, but Nathan McKinnon is absolutely the engine making that line run, and that's why I would give him the heart halfway through. I'll go with, uh, I'll add to it, Nathan McKinnon. What, do you want me to keep adding to? Like, you guys have said everything about him. Well, no, you could just say, well, in October, so before Duchesne got moved, he was averaging 17.46 a game. Now, since then, 21 minutes a game in November, 19.41 in December, and 18.30 in the New Year. So it's definitely allowed him to to expand his role. Just for our viewers at home, that is an additional four minutes in case you didn't get that quick math. Thanks, Ask. What is in the water in Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia? Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, that's incredible stuff. All right, guys, finally here. If Carlson does get traded, where does he go? What's the return? You're a real sicko for asking that question, but um, I'm not really going to give it an answer. I don't think it deserves one. We're not there yet. No, I don't think we're there yet, but uh, what I will tell you is that Mark Stone could be a captain of my team any day of the week. And you've just been blocked on the group chat for that comment. <laughs> yeah, two, another two-week suspension for Purdy. Asked. Okay, well, thanks for having me back, boys. Thanks for uh, for Brendan Purdy to join us again, even though that last question left a bad taste in mine and everybody's mouth. From the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto, I'm Ross Levitan alongside Chris Parliament, Brandon Piller, and Jeremy Houston. We'll see you for episode 31 next week. Of-
what makes the sense of the sense. Well, he opened up his shop at the age of 19, stealing anything the eye could see. Say, gather around you people, anything you need, I'll keep my name on your lips and put the word out on the street. And I will ride till my fingers, they are down to the bone, wander till I can remember my own home. Drink till I don't know the 